Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Well, this is pretty fun conversation here. We're chatting with Rita Trahan, sort of a perspective of behind closed doors or behind the scenes of HR. What are they really thinking? How are they operating? And what are some great tips we can glean from her extensive career working with uh, human resources professionals at uh, senior and and mid-levels across many, many impressive corporations. So you're going to have some some cool learnings, including one, the positive benefits of acknowledging the elephant of the room. Two, tips for giving effective and constructive feedback to others. And three, the truth of what's really going on in the HR department at the office behind the scenes. If you want to check out the show notes, the transcript, things mentioned and links, you can find that at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F28. And if you want that stuff faster, sign up for the Gold Nugget email list at awesomeatyourjob.com and you can read some of the key takeaways in two minutes. A quick bit about Rita. Ranked among the top 100 human resources officers, Rita Trahan has helped improve performance at organizations such as Honeywell, AES Corporation, Coca-Cola, and the World Bank. She's a regular contributor to the Washington Post and numerous journals, including Forbes magazine. She recently authored the book, Unleashing Capacity, The Hidden Human Resources. Here's Rita. Rita, thank you so much for appearing on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it. Well, can you tell us when you're not uh, gallivanting around the world and transforming corporations and their human resources operations, what do you do for fun? I like to sleep. Oh, yes. I I love that. (laughs) Um, Occasionally, I force myself to work out. Um, I do that by having a personal trainer because that's the only way I'd go to the gym. Uh, I like to drink red wine. I'm a good red wine drinker. Um, I like to sit in the sunshine. I'm a bit of a, a sunshine fan. Um, and I like to hang out with friends. So I like to do all of those things, really, and have fun. Oh, fantastic. And I can see how those really tie in together. If some sunshine, red wine leads to sleep, in my experience. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Well, you know, in your blog and your book, you talk a lot about building capacity. Now, when you say that, we're not talking about like the capacity of a facility to have occupants inside it. You're talking about a particular thing for organizations that they need to do, build capacity. How would you define it? Yeah, so capacity to me is really about how do you make sure you get the potential, the maximum potential you can out of your organization, the people that you have and whatever it is that your organization is trying to do. So capacity is trying to bring everything together, the people, the resources, the potential of your market and connecting all of those different things together. And that's truly when you get capacity. It's the fullest potential of everything that you can pull together. Okay. Well, that sounds like something I want. And so I know a lot of the work you do is at sort of the the CEO or executive vice president for human resources type level. But I'd love to hear, thinking about this capacity concept on sort of a smaller basis in terms of of a team or a manager and a few direct reports, what are some key mistakes, I guess, that organizations have or that you see time and time again and you just kind of shake your head like they're doing it wrong? So um, 
So I like to think rather than that people do things wrong. So let's start from that premise. Okay. I don't think necessarily that things that people do things wrong. I think that people sometimes fail to necessarily reach their true potential or look at things from an opportunity perspective as opposed to doing them wrong. So how I like to say to people, how can you do things differently rather than you're doing them wrong? So, right. so let's start from that premise first. Certainly. Here's some of the things that I think where people don't necessarily start from the premise of being able to maximize what they do. One is from even at the, the, either the individual or the team level is to start from taking a very, I would say, either a functional or a silo view of what they do. So either that's t- looking at something from an expertise level or a function level or a very, very discreet, here's my job level view. By doing that, you often fail to see or look at things from a much broader perspective, which if you do, if you take the opposite view of rather than looking at something from here's just what I do, but actually broaden and open your eyes and say, how can I think of this from a much broader perspective? The end result of that, not just from an individual or a team perspective, is much greater. So that's what I would say either fail to do or don't take the opportunity to seize the potential to look at is the number one area where I think it's a missed opportunity to look at. The second thing that I think where there's an opportunity that oftentimes either individuals or teams fail to to sort of um, recognize or take the opportunity to address is to look to learn from others around them. And when I say others around them, I don't just mean from their teams or their colleagues, but what's actually happening out in in the external world. We're in, I think, one of the most interesting times in the business world today. There's so much disruption that is going on today. I don't know any business that isn't being disrupted in some shape or form. I don't know of any institution that isn't being disrupted in some shape or form, whether it's education, health, you name it, governments, politics, everything seems to be going through some sort of disruption. So there's a real opportunity for for both teams and individuals and organisations to be really saying, what can we learn from things and businesses and organisations outside of our comfort zone? And I'm not sure that we always think to do that. Oh, thank you. And so so that's interesting. I'd love it if maybe you could share with us a, a story or case example associated with each of those two pieces. So the first is there was a, a team, a group, there was kind of in a silo, not looking around at how their actions affected other groups inside the organization, kind of what they saw and how that was beneficial, but when they took a broader mm-hmm. perspective. And then secondly, uh, someone or organization that looked at a very different seeming group and and took some you know fantastic new ideas that integrated into a cool way could you maybe bring those to life a bit for us a great example of that was around cloud technology this particular hr organization was trying to build this argument for that they needed to take hr systems to the cloud and because they were looking at it very much from a hr perspective they weren't really selling the value of why hr needed to go to the cloud when they understood that there was a much bigger sort of proposition to be made about the company looking at moving all of their systems to the cloud, 
they suddenly became much more powerful voices within the company because they were going to the executive team by saying, look, we have a big opportunity here, both from a cost efficiency, but also an agility perspective. If we start to look at how are we addressing all of our systems, our IT systems, and should we be looking at that in terms of how we're moving them to the cloud? So they, they shifted from looking at what was a functional expertise perspective to a much broader business expertise and gained a huge amount of credibility. So that's one example about how a team shifted their expertise. Oh, those are interesting. And, and with each of them, it seems like that's kind of the, the, the theme is that rather than, you know, focused, you know, very narrowly and specifically on what it is we're doing right now and how could we keep churning out more widgets or, or output, but taking a look around and seeing the, the new opportunities. So that collaboration piece with your first example makes great sense is that this cloud computing option for uh, upgrade will impact many of our functions. And so let's all get on board together and great things can happen with the, the cost savings and such. So it was a good deal. Thank you. I'd also like to chat a bit. One of your blog posts that I, I thought was really good was all about how practicing basic human skills unlocks capacity. And so you, you shared a bit that sometimes management teams don't treat others like basic human beings. And, and there are some issues with that. So this involved citing the, the Harvard Business Review survey associated with folks saying what behaviors they didn't appreciate so much from their management. Could you talk a bit about that? So I guess, you know, I don't think there's any person that I have yet to meet that hasn't experienced some bad management behaviors or practices, Pete. I'm sure you've experienced them mm -hmm. in the past as well. It's unfortunate, but it exists in the workplace today. And I think, unfortunately, we forget as leaders that just practicing some basic respectful behaviors and principles goes a long way. And it doesn't take a lot. And yet, when we fail to practice some of those things, the impact of that is actually huge. So practicing some very basic things doesn't take a lot. The impact of not practicing them is huge. And that's the issue that we have. If you look at engage, just look at engagement statistics today. Over the world today, engagement statistics sit, I think the last stats that I saw off the top of my head in the ballpark. So forgive me if they're not like 100% accurate, but somewhere around 80% of the workforce around the globe, give or take, say they, they are disengaged from work. Right. I fundamentally do not believe that people wake up in the morning saying, I'm going to go to work today and be disengaged. <laughs> right? Right. Most of us wake up in the morning and want to go to work to do a good job. We want to go to work and we want to feel engaged and we want to feel passionate about what we do. So what's going on? Something's happening in the workplace that is making people feel disengaged. A big part of that, I think, is about them not feeling involved and leaders not connecting and engaging with people at work, whether that's from them sort of recognizing, demonstrating some basic human skills, respect, valuing them, showing them how they're committing, just connecting to them. It's huge. Yeah. So I think we're, you know, we become, and by the way, 
technology is a fabulous thing. It's fabulous. It also gets us more and more disconnected in some ways of doing things in a human way. I don't have kids, but I have nephews and nieces and friends whose kids who sit next to each other and they're like tapping away. And I say, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, we're talking to each other. I'm like, you're talking to each other? How are you talking to, 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 to each other? You're not actually speaking. So they're in the same room. Yeah, exactly, right? When, what do we do when we in offices? And, and by the way, mere culpa too, I've done it before, where I email somebody that's sitting just across from me when I could literally just get up, walk over, and just ask them a question or talk to them. So some of those things are where, we, where technology, I think, also plays a role in this, where it it's upside you know it has its huge benefits but it also has its downsides so some of the basic human skills i think is about us sort of stepping back and recognizing what we as humans need and crave which is some of this connection and collaboration that's really important and we have to find ways to continue to recognize that and connect to people and make them feel valued and by the way, when we see disrespectful behaviours, we need to call it out. Agreed. And so I'd love to hear, with your work with different organisations, have you seen some best practices or innovative approaches that really do a fine job of encouraging the calling out of bad behaviour or encouraging that human touch to be just a part of the, the culture and natural flow of how work gets done? Yeah, one of the things I'm doing right now with the company is interesting. So we're doing some things that... We're embedding what we call sort of um, everyday culture habits into the organization. So um, one of those is calling out the elephants in the room. So mm -hmm. if we see things, so the things that people know that are going on or that you know, whether that's um, a disrespectful behavior or something that somebody feels uncomfortable about, but they know that we should be raising, we call it out. So we say, this is the elephant in the room. Let's talk about it. And it's a really interesting way of getting that, those uncomfortable topics being talked about in a way that's in a safe and comfortable way to discuss them. And I think it's proving to be really powerful. We actually had the CEO stand up at one of the gatherings and say, here's one of the elephants in the room. I hear that people would like to see more of me engage and talk. So I want you to know I'm going to do more of that. Lovely. Very powerful. Yes. Great. Well, any others spring to mind? I think the others around like giving real-time feedback. So we encourage, I do a lot of work with executives about encouraging them to both give real-time feedback um, to others, but also to share their own feedback about what they have heard for, about themselves to others, to, to their team. So practice what you preach. You have to be, if you're going to hold other people accountable, you have to be accountable yourselves and to be self-aware enough to share that. So I do a lot of work, with, particularly with CEOs, to say, if you are going to say this is an accountability culture and you need to treat people with respect, you better do that yourself. You better not demonstrate behaviours that are in the complete opposite because if you don't demonstrate the, the values that you say are important, don't expect anybody else to do that. Oh, certainly. So and those are some of the other examples of sort of encouraging that to happen. Um, the other sort of examples are starting every meeting with some clear operating principles for that meeting. So some behaviours for 
every time there's the, a meeting starts, here are some operating principles by how we want to govern that meeting, which might be, you know, we want to be respectful, we want to make sure everybody's opinion is heard, we want to be thoughtful to keeping on time, and then coming back to them at the end of the meeting. They may seem like really simplistic things, but they actually help people to be focused, and they actually help ensure that the things that are important to the teams are respected throughout um, before a meeting continues. So there's some helpful tips, really, um, for teams and, and companies to think about. Yes, those, those are helpful. And I'm curious about the point of real-time feedback. Now, when you say real-time feedback, do you mean like right as someone is presenting that if they there's something they can improve, let them know, or just after you just mean real time as in not at the review cycle, but like the day yeah, of yeah. Mm-hmm. So real time in, in terms of when it makes sense. So after a particular, you know, after you've seen it, not, I always say to people, Hey, look, if it's like something that you've seen, that's really upset you don't go do it straight away because you're not in the right frame of mind to give somebody feedback then. That's not, Uh when you're emotional about something, that's not a good time to then give somebody feedback because you're not in, you need to be in the right frame of mind to be able to give somebody thoughtful feedback. So take a step back from it, be really purposeful about it, think about what you want to say, take the emotion out of it, make sure it's really specific and give it to people. What I used to do when I was a leader was I, and to ensure that, as well as giving people feedback in real time, I used to write post-it notes of things that I used to see my team do and keep them in their files so that when it came to the performance reviews, this was good stuff as well as stuff that needed to be improving. So as well as giving it to them in, in real time, a year on when it came to giving them the performance review, I could go back and give them examples that happened over that 12-month period. And it was really powerful that people knew that I had kept a record of stuff that they had done really well. It wasn't just the last three months or the last eight weeks that I could draw examples from, that I had actually taken the time to correlate and keep track and a record of stuff that they had done. Now, I'd shared that with them on an ongoing basis, but I think sometimes what we tend to do is just talk about the most recent things at the annual reviews rather than trying to keep track of them. So I guess what I'm saying is do it real time, pick the right moments, don't wait six months after it's happened, but also at the annual review, make sure you're keeping a record of it um, so that people feel like you do, you have really taken time um, to make it valuable. Oh, yes. And examples make all the difference in the world when you're trying to share. Like, you could improve your presentation skills. Like, what? Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, on this date, when you gave this presentation about that topic, you had so many, you said the word like so many times, it was very distracting and made you seem unprofessional. Like, that, there's like night and day difference in terms of how useful that is for somebody. Yeah, it's a great example of giving really specific feedback to someone. Okay, well, well, now I, I want to hear, so you have a, a fascinating vantage point having worked with many organizations and, and many folks at human resources professionals. And so I'd love to know, what are some things that your typical professional maybe has no idea that goes on behind closed doors with human resources people? Or, or what are some things that uh, insiders, uh, human resources experts know that you think that the typical professional might be surprised to learn? 
that we know more than you may think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that we're, we're more savvy than perhaps some people give us credit for. Um, that we try to manage all of the politics that goes on in an organization and do it in a very professional way with the goal to make the company as successful as possible. Um, so I think that's one thing that people don't often realize, that we are truly committed to trying to make organizations successful, that we are not the police. Our mm-hmm. desire is not to be the compliance function. We don't get excited about <laughs> compliance, believe it or not. Like, you know, we do, it's not our desire to be compliance professionals our desire is actually to add value to the business organization despite what people may think um so i think that there's often a a view that we want to stop everything and just prevent people from being able to do what they want and that's not true and we actually do want people to be able to be successful and, and leaders to be able to do things that they want to do that we genuinely have a desire to want to understand the business better than we do today but we need help to do that i think many hr professionals struggle to find a way to better integrate themselves and get connected to the business and very quickly sort of revert into their shells when they try to do that and then get shut out so i think there is an element of our colleagues and our peers sort of being more open to letting us in, if you like. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's an opportunity to do that. Uh, What else can I say? I think uh, to our other professionals, I would say CEOs be more demanding of your HR professionals. You should ask more of them. Um, You ask a significant amount from your business presidents. Don't be shy of asking your HR professionals and holding them to the same exacting standards. They actually want that. And they want the profession to be more successful. And the only way we can be more successful and sort of change the narrative of the HR function is if CEOs step up and demand more of the profession going forward because it's not where it needs to be. And we need the help of the the C-suite to step up where the profession is. So those are some of the things. And then I think lastly, you know, there's a generation of new HR professionals that I'm seeing that are eager, passionate, hungry, and excited about what they can bring to the future of HR. And my message to the more senior HR professionals is um, give them the stretch and give them the bandwidth to let them show you what they can do, because I think they have a lot to show us. Okay, thank you. Well, then, is there anything else you want to make sure that we cover off before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? The only thing I really, I am extremely passionate about HR and where it needs to change. I am, I guess, kind of on a call to action mission, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, about really bringing about some change within the uh, HR function. I'm actually going to be launching this year an award called the HR Original Thinkers Award, which is aimed at the under 35s, which I'm actually funding and sponsoring myself because I'm so passionate about this. And so I do want to say that we do have to take a look in the mirror as a HR function and recognize we're not where we are. And it's up to us to change that narrative. And there are great HR people out there, but we do need to recognize and own the fact 
that it's not where it needs to be and only we can change that future. So I want to leave a message that it's in our hands and there's a lot of people that want to do that, but it's up to us to do it. Okay. So I guess I'm like sending that message to all my HR colleagues and to CEOs and suites and the C-suite to say, come on, guys, let's get on with it. We've waited too long. Oh, that's good. And please, so if we have some listeners here in the HR world who are under 35, as most listeners here are, where should they go to apply or to explore? Yeah, so it's very early stages yet, but um, there will be some more details coming up and a website being created. It's it's an idea at the moment. So if they have ideas about what it should look like, they want to get involved and they can contact me on my my website um, or on Twitter and I can give out those details now or at the end, but yeah, they can get in touch. They can get involved. They can apply, but they can also help shape what it might look like. It's an idea that I have. It's intuition at the moment as a thought. And it's like, let's go do it. Oh, sure. Well, while we're on the topic, yeah, what is the website and Twitter where they should know? Okay. So um, my Twitter address is at Rita underscore Trahan. My website address is ritatrahan.com and they can also contact me on LinkedIn and it's uh, my LinkedIn is ritatrahan. So it's LinkedIn forward slash in forward slash ritatrahan. Okay, we're all set. So now can you tell us a bit, first off, about a favorite quote, something that inspires you again and again? Yeah, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. (laughs) The next best time is now. Oh, yeah. How about a favorite study or piece of research you like or reference often? That one is a bit harder. I think I always find, and this is years and years old, but the Hawthorne experiment was really interesting. I did it when I I studied sociology years and years ago, but I found that a really interesting study, just like the Taylor's scientific management study i just find those kinds of studies really interesting to go back because they're all about work and just how things how people think and act so those kinds of things i find quite interesting they're not necessarily very recent but i think they have some interesting sort of staying power and of how people's minds work and stuff like that and how about a favorite book my favorite book is who moved my cheese it's short oh yeah it's good and like i always people are sick of hearing me say this but there's a great quote in there that says We keep doing the same things over and over again. If it wasn't so ridiculous, it would be funny. Oh, yeah. I love that book. And how about a favorite personal practice or habit of yours that's been instrumental for boosting your effectiveness? A favorite practice of mine is whenever somebody says to me, we can't do it, I always say, I don't understand that. (laughs) Tell me what what it's going to take for us to be able to do it. Okay. So, like, I never believe we can't do something. I always say, tell me what you need for us to be able to do it. All right. And could you share with us a favorite challenge or a call to action parting thought for those seeking to be more awesome at their jobs? Be self-aware. Recognize you don't need to know everything. There's lots of people around you that know the stuff that you don't know. And seek those people out. And be willing to... Always be willing to learn. Always be willing to learn. Beautiful. Well, Rita, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun, and I wish you all the best with your book as that gets uh, released and, and launched out uh, bigger and broader. And that's called Unleashing Capacity, the Hidden Human Resources. That will be linked on the, the show notes. And 
just wish you all the very best. Thanks so much for reaching out to me, Pete. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun and I'm, I'm delighted that you did. And thank you very much for having me as a guest. I'm very honored. Oh, well, thank you. We're honored too. Okay. Take care. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you're raring to go when it comes to taking some courage with for acknowledging the elephant in the room or offering some more helpful feedback to others. And again, to check out some of the stuff mentioned, that's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F28 and catch you Monday. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.